Welcome to Growth Amplifiers. I am Kenny Harper. Growth Amplifiers showcases ideas from the top business owners and entrepreneurs to inspire and empower you thrive in your life, business, and achieve a higher purpose. I'll be sharing actionable insights you can apply towards your business in each session. Growth Amplifiers is dedicated to you, your success, and fulfillment. Get ready to amplify. Hey there, Amplifiers. You know, one of the things I'm always advocating is to make sure that you're paying attention to your numbers. A lot of the times I'm looking at the five profit drivers, but sometimes we got to look at more data to get a better sense and make informed decisions. And our guest today is, is really an expert when it comes to looking at data and then making great decisions based on data. He's the founder of Practico Analytics and provides a lot of experience um, really helping business owners and executives take that data. He's even collected those thoughts in uh, his book, The Data Mirage. And I'd like to welcome to Growth Amplifiers, Ruben Ugarte. It's a pleasure to be here, Kenny. It's a pleasure to have you. And as mentioned, as we were just chatting a moment ago, uh, I've been looking through your book and you know, I've, I've read, read a lot of business books and I really appreciate um, what it is you're talking about. So let's Let's start by really um, taking a moment to address the big idea of what we'll be talking about today um, and giving a little bit more about kind of your background, and then we'll kind of go from there. Does that sound good? That sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, the um, the book was written to, I think, address something that uh, I was not seeing being addressed in other books. Mm-hmm. You know, no one, no company, no executive needs a pitch on the value of data. It's been hammering for the past 20 years. You know, I don't have to do that. And yet there's this gap, this discrepancy between what companies want to be doing, how they think they should be using numbers or using data and what's actually taking place in their teams, in their day-to-day. So the book focuses primarily on what I think is a, a psychological challenge. You know, how do you get your people to actually use the numbers, to trust them, to turn them into some kind of actionable insight, something that's tangible within the business. And there's a few different strategies around that. The book, of course, covers technology. It has to. We cannot talk about data without technology. But it's only one chapter out of 10. You know, Mm -hmm. the other eight, seven chapters, nine chapters are all about how to use the numbers. What are the things that get in the way? What are the unexpected ways in which we uh, look at statistics or work with statistics? So that is really the big idea behind the book. I love it. You know, a lot of the times when I'm connecting with business owners, I'm working with a lot of small business owners, and sometimes they just haven't been tracking data. Um, so if they're if they haven't been tracking data, all right, we got to start tracking. <laughs> but even then, there's some that maybe have data. They have analytics. They have more data than they know what to do with, and they need a process to to know. All right. Now what? <laughs> so, so let's start off by maybe identifying some of the biggest challenges you see right now that companies that you're working with are, are facing when it comes to data. What what do you commonly see? Well, it, it does change depending on the company size. Do you mm-hmm. want me to do maybe small business size, uh, medium we'll, size, we'll corporate take, size? We'll take um, we'll take a poll of all three. <laughs> let's... Okay, okay. So let's say on the small business side. Mm-hmm. The probably the biggest challenge with data is similar to what you uh, 
just said about uh, no numbers, lack of data, it's really ambiguity. That is, they're not quite sure what to do with the numbers or what numbers to even collect, what should they be focusing on? And the, I think the ambiguity that makes it harder to improve, let's say your, your business is not doing as well, uh, demand is going down or revenue is going down, without some kind of tangible breakdown of that, you're, you're dealt with this really tough problem, this ambiguous problem with no place to start. But if you were to say a restaurant and you're tracking uh, you know, the number of, uh, of course, sales per day, number of people who visit, number of orders or checks, as I might call them, and you start to see that on the breakdown by daily basis or weekly basis, you can start to kind of figure out what might be happening, right? That maybe your Mondays are really slow compared to your, to your Fridays. Perhaps you should close down your Mondays. It makes no financial sense to be open on Mondays. Or perhaps you should have different offers on Mondays versus Fridays to drive more people. That's the thing the, where small businesses need to start with a very tangible, concrete, this is what's working, this is what's not. Uh, what data do we have already that is not on or to track, right? I think asking a small business to, you know, track how many people are walking through the door manually is is, is, a, is a tough sell. But mm -hmm. if you tell them, hey, you know, you already have your, your POS data, your payment processing or your CRM or whatever you're already using day to day, just find a way of getting the data out <clears throat> and visualizing it into something that's that's tangible, that's that's easy to understand. Awesome. I I think that's a good starting point. I know sometimes people can get overwhelmed or, or they, they can be challenged to think, how, how can I do this? I don't have the time or the resources. Yeah. But I, I like what you, you had in your book. I think it was page 83. I made, I made note of it in my mind because it was, you know, just I'm actually going to pull it up now. I'll see if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Less is more. Yes, I, I yeah. was right. Um, less is more. It's better to start with a shorter report that you can add to over time than to simplify a complex report. And I think a similar approach could be said about, you know, beginning to collect data, uh, starting small to crawl, walk, run would be better than trying to, I want to do everything and run right into a wall. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the smaller you are, it, this really applies even to large teams, you know, Fortune 500. Mm -hmm. You have limited time at the end of the day. And it's important to understand that unless your job title has the word data, you're a data analyst, a data scientist, a data engineer, data is not your full-time job. So you're a marketing person, you're a salesperson, you're a small business owner. You already have a job of actually running your business or running your team or whatever else you're doing. So data is really meant to help you and support you in that, not completely take over your job unless you're going to become a data analyst. So I do think, yeah. I was just going to say, um, but to climb to the, to the next, finish that thought and then uh, climbing yeah. to the next ladder to the, the medium-sized business would be uh, good insights as well. Because this, I think this is, something that everyone can benefit from listening to. And depending on where they're at, they, they may get a different takeaway. Exactly. Yeah. So a medium science business, now you have uh, like teams, uh, different kinds of teams, maybe multiple teams under different departments for them. Uh, the challenge becomes actually starts to be more technology, technology based. That is, they mm -hmm. might not have the right technology. Their CRM might just be really outdated. Uh, you know, I work with companies where their technology was clearly chosen 10 years ago. 
and it's become a very strong hindrance now to what they do. It's just everything is really hard. So technology is one thing for them. The second thing is now you have more people and now training becomes much more important. Uh, you mm-hmm. need to be able to give people just basic skills. You know, I'm always surprised how many people I run into that actually do not like statistics. They do not, they do not like math, even basic math. And that prevents them from just working with numbers, right? They just don't want to do it. It's just not uh, within their wheelhouse, but that can be trained. That's, that's a skill that can be trained. Again, you're not here to become uh, a data scientist with advanced math, uh, PhD level math, but just a basic understanding of numbers, statistics, how numbers can be tweaked, how they can lie to you, how to ensure that doesn't happen. And the, the third thing for a medium-sized business is aligning the data with the strategy much more. At that point, you likely have a strategy of some kind, right? One, two, three years. Here's the markets we want to go into. Here's the products we want to develop. So how does data play a role into that in the formulation of the strategy? And mm-hmm. of course, the measurement of the strategy as, that's, uh, as that is happening. And that may be as simple as having someone, you know, join the executive team that represents the data team or represents the data in general, right? Having an owner in the executive team that has the, owns the data. And it could be as complex as having an entire team or entire uh, a full-time person who's making sure that this data is flowing in the strategy. So those are medium-sized businesses. You sort of have this growth stage where you have data, there's no lack of data, but it's not being fully utilized. It's not reaching every person in the most effective way. I could see that would be a, a, ch- a challenge. You've got people you're putting into task and without, without making sure there's a, a plan, more often than not, you know, I've had the opportunity to connect with some larger uh, businesses as well. And they have maybe their internal marketing team, their marketing agency, their sales team, and their, their management. And they're, they're working on things, but they're not all on the same page. <laughs> and there's a lot of disconnection. And it, it seems like in their minds, they seem like they're on the same page because they're all kind of like working towards the, a common goal, but how they're going about doing it and how they're, the information that they're sharing isn't all on the same page. Um, so, so that's an important part. Now, I tip, I personally haven't done a lot of work working with corporations, but I'd be curious to know kind of like what goes on and as you climb up higher in the, in the, in the ladder there. Yeah, so once we get to larger companies, now some problems get magnified, others get resolved. Typically a larger corporation, let's say Fortune 500, just for our sake of our examples here, you will have data people in the corporation, of course. You're gonna have data teams in the corporation. It might not be a large team, it might be four or five people, maybe 10 people, but you'll have actual teams. So technology is typically resolved, let's say more or less. Uh, you can find the right technology, you can implement it. You have lots of data. So their challenges come from, one, not uh, diving too much into the advanced usage of data. So this is where machine learning, data science, is where it becomes uh, a real advantage to be able to run this. And you know it might have a significant impact on the company and how it thinks about products. But if you don't have the right structure, the right teams, the right people in the right places, that will not happen. You'll be sort of limited to just reporting just sort of saying what happened and what's going on. The second thing that comes up in larger corporations is silos. Once you get large enough, 
now you have sort of real power within uh, individual teams or departments and silos will come up. Compliance or legal might uh, actually be a thing, at, you know, at this at, at this at this companies, mm-hmm. and they might have a strong power over how data gets shared or doesn't get shared among teams. So now you have all this data that could be useful, but it's it's separated in silos. And the third thing that that uh, you'll you'll see at this at this level is what's almost like an abstraction. So you have a data analyst or people who are creating reports, and those reports are everywhere, but the executive team might not have enough data proficiency uh, to sort of take in those numbers and use them. And because they don't work with the numbers directly, they only get the summaries, they only get the uh, the reports, they might be missing things. They might be missing opportunities uh, within the data. It's just, there's so many layers of people that mm-hmm. it just doesn't surface all the way up. So that becomes more of a communication problem than less a data problem. But that, that's, that's what tends to happen in larger corporations. So you can see how it goes from small to medium to large it all kind of gets harder and harder as you have more and more data and more and more people. And, and that's where someone like yourself, a guide can really help and kind of get someone to take all that information and put it into a process that is really effective for their organization or, or their business. Sometimes they may be doing things, but a lot of the times when I'm connecting with someone, they may know things, they may already be doing things, but there's gaps in what they're doing that are limiting the potential of what they could be doing. So, and that's the concept of behind growth amplifiers. There's, you have gaps. And if you take the time to step back and assess, you can see, Hey, if I made a few adjustments in these few areas, it could have a big impact on the overall result. Um, what, you know, it's something interesting that just triggers something in my mind is the difference between people and teams. So mm-hmm. a large corporation, You'll, you're, you will have teams that use data really well. And, and everyone will know who they are. They are sort of the data-driven teams. They do it really well. And then you have teams that are not as good. So you have an average. You have people above the average and people below the average. So for sometimes the companies, especially as they get larger, it's not really about bringing in new things from the outside, bringing in new best practices around how to collect data and how to store it and how to report it. It's really about finding those uh, internal best practices. Who does it really well? And how do we bring those ideas? Because clearly those ideas work within the culture, right? Within the culture and the constraints of the company, mm-hmm. those teams have made it work. How do we bring that down to the the next sort of tier of teams and help them close their gaps? And of course, even a, a medium-sized company, maybe to an extent, uh, a small business can do the same where you have people who are really good and people who are not as good with data what is the difference between them and how do you bridge that gap? And that could be much easier and much more effective than trying to introduce uh, a new idea from the outside, you know, some kind of like foreign uh, uh, foreign idea into the ecosystem of a company. Got it. So uh, don't, don't fix it if it's not broken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, find some adjustments in the, in the key areas, optimize it. Right. Um, so what, what can data do and not do for companies in general? Well, I think data can help you support ideas, can help you provide guidance as to what to do or what you should be doing. And it can help surface opportunities that you may not see. Uh, Things that may be very clear patterns in the data, 
Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps let's say, you know, I work with companies where their usage, their engagement with customers is very high during weekdays, sometimes even very specific days, as in we can see all the usage or, you know, a significant portion of the usage happens between 8 and 10 a.m. in the morning. And then again at 4 or 5 p.m., uh, this was a payment processing company uh, that I work with. And there's all, no usage in the weekends. So that can start to give you ideas as to how you should design your products, how to engage with customers, how their your product might be fitted into their their daily routine, right? On the other hand, there there's several things that data cannot do, and where I think there's misconceptions around expectations. One, it cannot really tell you the answer all the time. It might give you good ideas, maybe even a strong validation that this is the way to go, but doesn't always work that way, right? You know, I worked with uh, tourism companies last year, 2020, wow. at the height of the pandemic, very tough industry. I mean, their numbers were 90% down, which they had never been like that ever in history, right? So there was literally no data that could tell them really what to do or what not to do. They had no idea what was gonna happen next week in terms of government regulations or even next month. And of course, even today, tourism is still very uncertain. Um, so relying on data all the time for answers is eventually going to backfire, especially when you run into this, you know, we might call them black swan events, you know, right. unexpected things that no one knew, but they, they do happen somewhat consistently. We don't know when they will happen, but we know they will happen on some kind of frequency. So relying on data, and I know the teams that were very data driven really struggle last year because they were, it was almost like they lost this, you know, their, their light, their torch, and now they had no idea how to navigate in the dark. Um, where are we? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. You were in the cave without a light and not sure. And really the best teams, they just kept moving, right? They were like, you know, we're not sure if moving to e-commerce from our physical store is going to help. You know, we have no idea how to do it, but we might as well do it and see how it works. And so adjust as you go along, right? Using the, your words that you reason before. So relying on data for everything will eventually backfire. I think relying on data too much can also backfire, you know, if, if, uh, if you have an executive with 30 years of experience in an industry and they come with an idea around something, a new product, a new customer segment, but they have no data to back it, you shouldn't dismiss the idea altogether. There's still something there that they're pulling from, right? Some experience, some qualitative, maybe intuition. Um, so if you, have, if you have a culture that only, <laughs> only uses data, and, and I've been in those companies, you know, uh, there's a phrase from Edward Denman where it says, you know, in God we trust, everyone else bring data. If, if you sort of believe that, that you will also re reject ideas that in hindsight um, made no sense, uh, but now they actually, they end up working. So that's, that's, that's what can happen with data. There's a good role to it, mm -hmm. but I also see too many companies take the role to an extreme and it will eventually limit them in some way. So for those who are maybe thinking, hmm, we, we need to get a little bit more of a plan. Uh, what what are some ways or some best practices for how to determine the best tools for your product or industry? Okay, from a technology perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so technology is a rabbit hole. You know, there, there's so many options. Even someone like myself who spends, you know, day in, day out, I constantly come across technology that I've never seen before. So it's a challenge. Um, I would think about a few things. One, 
I would start by looking at what is the standard uh, tech stack in your industry. So if you go online, if you talk to peers, uh, maybe even conferences or events, you will find typical tech stacks. That is, this is what e-commerce company does. This is what a SaaS software company does. This is what a mobile company does. This is what a manufacturing company does, typically speaking. And you have likely four or five different pieces. You know, we need something to store customer data. We need something for email. We need something for our uh, physical payment processing on the coffee shops. And you start to build a stack from there. I would then look in, in every of those four or five categories. I would look for sort of the top the two or three major players that fit your segment. So every, you know, every category might have a hundred players, but really there's always two or three that tend to dominate 60, 70, 80% of the conversation. Those are the ones I tend to recommend to clients mm -hmm. for a few reasons. One, they, you know, they're production ready. They've been around for a long time. So they have more functionality. Their pricing might be higher because they're, they're an established player, but you're trading pricing for stability, which is not a bad trade-off. So I will look for those and then uh, make a choice and then, and then, and then, um, and then adjust, of course. You, you might realize that a technology choice was not the right one and you need to adjust. But that's how, that's how I recommend it to companies to approach technology. Less so, where are all the options available to us and let's, and let's gauge them and more, what are peers doing? What are successful peers doing? And how can we emulate what they're doing while kind of matching it to what, what we want to do? I think that's great advice. And just kind of getting in there and, and trying it out. I've had some companies like analysis, uh, paralysis by analysis, yeah. trying to find the perfect fit before they make a selection on moving something forward. And in my experience, perfection is is really not obtainable there's there's always going to be like something that maybe is a little better in one platform versus another there's pros and cons with almost anything you choose or even perceived pros and cons yeah. <laughs> at the very least and and by just knowing what your immediate needs are and i think getting like the peers um insights and then making a selection and, and getting started. You're going to learn from, from going through that experience um, versus, you know, trying to find that, that perfection fit and then not making any progress. That's, that's been one of the things I've seen. Cause at the end of the day, a lot of times what I'll, what I'll share as well is the tool is, is not as important as how you're using it and leveraging it, and which leads me to my, my final question is, how do you uncover actionable insights from your data? You have these tools, you get the data, how do you discover the actionable insights to, to kind of like know, well, that's nice, now now what? Yeah, 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 there's, there's lots of techniques here that, that sort of get into the world of statistics and how to visualize the data. Uh, let me share a few that tend to resonate well with, uh, with clients and companies so we assume that we have data, we have reports, so we can build reports of some kind, so we can build dashboards and things like that. The things we want to be looking for uh, first, in no particular order, you want to start to dive behind the averages. So a lot of the KPIs that companies look at are averages of some kind. Mm -hmm. What is the average sales value 
what is the average uh, lifetime value of our customer or the average cost of acquisition. Averages, averages, averages. And this is great because averages tell you roughly where you are and you can do math on them and models and projections. But as we talked before, there is of course uh, users or customers above the average and below the average. And in particular, the ones above the average are the most interesting to look at. So if you have an average lifetime value of $100, who's above that? And what are the sort of characteristics behind those people? So who are sort of the top 10% of customers above the average and who are they? You know, where are the demographics, the psychographics? How do they find you? You know, what is sort of the attribution on them? How do they use your product, right? Is there use cases here that are different from what you expect? And I find a lot of companies like to focus on what's effectively the bottom 10%, right? They want to know why people didn't convert, why people didn't close the deal, why people didn't uh, say yes to this specific offer. And that's, that's in one way somewhat interested, but I think it's much more interesting to look at why people converted mm-hmm. and how to find more of those people really in essence. So going behind your averages, effectively any average, you really want to understand what's going on. And the same can be said for uh, traffic acquisition or user acquisition, you know, where are the, the campaigns that are below the average in cost, in the cost of acquisition, and how do they differ from the most expensive campaigns? And you start to find some, some insights or, or things to try, or at least assumptions <clears throat> to explore. The, the second thing to start finding insights is to look at trends within the data. So once you have some data, be able to look at some of the initial trends, specifically mm-hmm. spikes or drops. So if there's a spike in traffic or there's a spike in usage or a spike in purchases, you want to be able to understand why. What drove that spike? You know, where you mentioned by some external factor, some external uh, media side, or did something happen in the market? You know, I work right now with a cryptocurrency company and their, their product is very market-driven, as you can imagine. Elon Musk tweet about Bitcoin and it goes up, it goes down. So for them, trying to understand those spikes is actually quite quite helpful. And it's, it's a tricky thing to do. It's not easy. But then they can start to say, you know what? It seems like when this few people tweet about crypto, we should then run uh, some kind of offer, a notification, a message alongside that that maybe mentions that to kind of make the most of that potential spike. So whatever spikes or drops might be happening in your business, you want to stay on top of them and understand what's causing them. And the third thing I mentioned, just just to sort of round up this idea of finding insights, it's less so a technique and more so making the data easily available. So that is, companies want to have dashboards, and those are great, but you should really think about putting the data into as many formats as possible. So that means having... um, email digests that go out once a day or once a week, having Slack messages that send you notifications with the latest numbers, dashboards, of course, maybe text messages, uh, whatever else. And by making it easy where people look at the numbers consistently, then they'll actually start to notice patterns, right? Because we are basically pattern finding machines. (laughs) So if you look at numbers every week and you start to notice the ups and downs, you're like, you know, usually this number is 100, Today is 110, last week was 90. You start to kind of gauge and connect how the things that you might be doing are mm-hmm. affecting the numbers on a daily or weekly basis. And that will start to have a bit of a feedback loop where you say, hey, we ran this campaign last week. Here's how the numbers changed or didn't change. Or we did that the previous week. 
So that I think is also a way of, of making the data uh, much more useful, much more actionable by becoming more acquainted with it. And executives will tell you this, right? They, they know the numbers inside and out. So when things go up slightly up and down, they're very in tune to those changes. So they know exactly what might be causing it or not causing it. Very helpful. Now, those who are tuning in who are thinking, mm, maybe I've got, maybe I've got some work to do with how I can improve and use my data. Uh, if they want to learn a little bit more about you and, and what you do, where could they go? What could they do? The main place is my website. That is rubenugarte.com, uh, R-U-B-E-N-U-G-A-R-T-E.com. And you'll find links to the book. Uh, the book is available everywhere you can buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. Yeah, you got a picture right there. And the website also has all the free resources, blog posts, podcasts, videos, templates. Uh, so there's a lot of things to explore and uh, tools that you can use to start to level up your data next week, next month. I think it's it's great. It's all about amplifying it. You're already doing the right things. You're taking the right actions. You're going to start to keep score. You're keeping score. Then now how can you use those different scores and those pieces of data to make the adjustments you need to continually optimize and improve? Uh, that's what we're looking to do. Uh, Ruben, you've been really, really helpful. You, you've shared a lot of knowledge. Mic drop. Uh, if I could get you to end our, our time just by sharing one more piece of advice that you might give others who are on their journey of how, you know, something that you've learned on yours. Hmm. I would say something that's always been really helpful is trying to differentiate the learnings that you come across. That is, there's, of course, successes, fa uh, failures, if you want to use that word, uh, but trying to understand what what happened there. I think this is the very first idea we cover about ambiguity. You know, um, knowing that you sort of su succeed or fail is, is interesting. Knowing why that happened while removing the ambiguity, I think is much more useful. So knowing if this is a skill issue, right? You need to learn a specific skill. Maybe it's a, a an interest issue. You just don't have any interest in a specific area or topic and separating them. And I think that makes progress much more easier from a, a learning perspective. Excellent. Ruben, thank you very much for your time and contributing to Growth Amplifiers. We appreciate you. Uh, please make sure if you're tuning in to check out Ruben's website, rubengarte.com. It's in, in the book. If you can't see the, if you're not watching the video, if you're streaming in later, uh, it is the data mirage. Why companies fail to actually use their data. It's great. Good content. I don't always endorse books. If I, if I get them and they're not that great, <laughs> but that's, this is a good one that I, I found very insightful. So Thank you again for your time. And it's been an honor having you join us on Growth Amplifiers. Thank you for having me, Kenny. To show your support, take a moment to amplify this message by sharing it online. To connect with me or gain more business growth insights, visit www.growthamplifiers.com. Thank you for your support.